0: Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads
1: The voices in our heads Hello! <laughs> wow, what a silly little time we're in, huh guys? What a silly time well, welcome to The Voices in Our Heads. I'm your host and faithful companion on this journey, Christina Hodginson. That noise in the background you hear is is my is my son, Kevin. Well, my son, as my mother describes him, or rather her grandson. I'm like, I get it. You don't think I'm going to have kids. Uh, just decided to pick up his squeaky little toy, and he never plays with it like he's playing with it now. I don't know if you could hear it. Uh... But he's squeaking away, and it's like, he he basically was like, oh, you're not going to look at me for one hour? Then fuck you. And honestly, kind of respect that. Okay, so excited for this next couple episodes of the podcast because, uh, boy, are we not going anywhere. We got time. Unless you are working on the front lines of this shit. And that is delivery people, nurses, doctors, janitors in the hospitals, people who work at CVS and Dwayne Reed and all those other places. The del- My deli guy, he's in a great mood. I think he's high. Good for him. He should be. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for being on the front lines of this thing. Seriously. I cannot imagine what it must be like to be working in a hospital right now. And we thank you. You're in our thoughts. I don't know if that does anything But if it does, you're in luck, (laughs) because I'm sending good vibes your fucking way. Um, But if you're not on the front lines of this thing, you're just sitting the fuck at home, I hope, okay? Because let me tell you something. I live in the center of this shit right now. New York City, we're always number one in everything. It's why I moved here. And we are number one in coronavirus outbreaks and deaths. Not exactly an exciting first place to be, uh but i went rollerblading the other day because it was a really beautiful day out and i was like you know what if i'm just skating past people i'm not i'm not obviously i know what's happening i'm not going to touch anything and i brought my hand sanitizer with me and i had my friend talia who's also my personal trainer she's like mad cool i had her come over to watch my son kevin um, just because I didn't, he just was getting anxiety about being alone and if I could prevent that, why not? So I went rollerblading along the East River and woo-wee, motherfuckers, not social distancing. I There were more people along the East River path than pre-coronavirus. Okay? It's like all of a sudden we're coming out and we're like, well, it's just like have a picnic, I guess. No! Stay the fuck inside. If you are on a bike or on rollerblades or on a skateboard by yourself. Yeah, maybe zoom, zoom away. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be hard. But oh my God, there were people having picnics. I saw these three people, these three fucking fucking millennials. I sound like an old person now, but that's what they, they were younger. They were like tw- in their early 20s and they were having a picnic. And in my head, I'm like, you motherfuckers better be roommates or I swear to fucking God, I'm going to take my diaper off and I'm going to throw it in your face. I was so I like went back I went to I didn't go as far as I would normally go when I rollerblade because there was just too many people I was rollerblading through crowds of people I'm like all right fuck this I guess and I went back and on my way back there was this one portion of of uh, like um, a concrete area by this dock there's this boat dock that has like party boats of course they're all docked because no one's having a party boat right now and I saw a cluster. I don't think they did this on purpose. A cluster of personal trainers, each with like a tripod and their phone and this workout equipment. And they're all trying to do workout videos outside because it was really nice out. And I was and they were just crowding each other. There were so many of them. It felt like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm like, are we on planet fuck fuck? Because, huh? And then as I was rollerblading past them going... Tisk tisk, y'all. I was rollerblading past other personal trainers carrying yoga mats and weights and a tripod on their way to that same stretch of pavement. I'm like, you guys, you're going to have to... Okay, well, whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to tell them because I don't, I don't want to tell people what to do except for right now. Stay the fuck inside as often as you can, okay? Can we just agree to do that? It's not fun. Well, it can be fun if you make it fun. So there's no excuse. Unless you're with... Man, I really again, the more days that go by during this quarantine, the happier I am to be just I'm to be the only human being in my apartment. Wow, what a gift. Seriously, what a gift. I'm kind of thriving in this shit. I'm an extrovert and I get my energy from other people or or so I thought. I am fucking jazzer sizing over to the bathroom. I'm in a great mood. I have to wake up. at Kevin wakes me up at 830 in the morning. I mean, he's the fucking cutest puppy on the planet. So no one's going to get mad at that face. But I really have difficult time in mornings. I wake up going, da, 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 da. whatever, I'll go back to bed later. It's fine. With a smile on my goddamn face. Wow. Would you look at that, guys? Uh, but yeah, social distance, okay? Stay the fuck inside and stay six feet away. For, that's, uh, this pandemic can be helped If we take action, and the action is just stay the fuck home, it's not that hard. Order a coloring book online. Read. You have books in your house. I know you do. I doubt that there is a single person listening to this who whose home has no books. Read the goddamn dictionary, okay? Some of us need new words in our vocab, and that's a direct insult to me because I don't have a lot of words in my vocabulary. I have been reading a lot. It's been nice. It's been very nice. But man, motherfuckers ain't quarantining. They ain't social distancing. You gotta, you gotta cut the shit, guys. I would really love to go. I rescheduled my Ireland trip for early August and I really, really want to go, okay? So can you be a deer and stay inside so that I can go to Ireland for fun, okay? I mean that. Hey, I'm starting a new segment for as long as this quarantine is happening i'm starting a new segment you know we got to get by we got to like we got to like you know entertain ourselves i'm here to entertain you okay and i made a new segment called quarantine turd of the week okay let me tell you something i will never misspell the word quarantine as long as i live i've never i've net i will net i was spelling that word so wrong i was like see, no wait q u okay a yep R-E, nope, R-E, nope, Mm, it's quarantine, I know how to spell it now, so that's pretty cool, but quarantine turd of the week, every week I'm going to highlight one person who I think, and this is in my opinion, my humble opinion, is behaving like a total fucking turd, okay, and this week's quarantine turd is none other than Mr. Glenn Beck, Okay, you don't know who he is. Honestly, good for you. Don't look it up. Doesn't matter. He is a radio show and he talks with fervor and he moves the masses with the power of his word just because he talks all dramatically. It's like Glenn Beck. I got a fucking Bachelor's of Fine Arts in acting, okay? I can talk real fancy and meaningful too. But I try to use my powers for good. Glenn Beck. I don't really think he uses his powers for good He was quoted I looked at I saw this covered on uh, John Oliver um, Last Week Tonight Is a television show That I cannot recommend you watch enough If you have HBO Go Or HBO or whatever the fuck Such a great show it's, it's investigative journalism At its finest And its funniest Truly one of my favorite shows on television Every time I watch an episode I feel more educated And lighter about all the shit that's going on Um He's a total turd. But so uh, John Oliver in his latest episode of Last Week Tonight highlighted Glenn Beck, uh, did a little clip of Glenn Beck uh, just being a piece of shit. And, and uh, I looked up an article because I wanted to give you guys like exact quotes to do research because your girl has some time on her hands, okay? Puppies nap 18 to 20 hours a day. And Glenn Beck, there's an uh, article on, on the, the Daily Beast about it. Just Google it if you want to. I don't recommend it, but you could. Uh, and he's, he's quoted as saying, I mean, I'm in the danger zone regarding COVID-19. Doi. That's what everybody's talking about. I'm right at the edge. I'm 56. In Italy, they're saying if you're sick and you're 60, don't even come in. So I'm in the danger zone. I would rather have my children stay at home and all of us who are over 50 go in and keep this economy going and working. Even if we all get sick, I would rather die than kill the country because it's not the economy that's dying. It's the country. No, motherfucker. You're talking about the fucking economy. And I understand that there are terrible things that happen when an economy goes to shit but isn't that what our government's for to help us with that am i going cuckoo bananas and then this is, um, this is why I'm glad I looked up an actual article on this because the article continues to say, in the early days of the Obama administration, Glenn Beck argued against the Affordable Care Act saying, quote, we care about the elderly, he added. We value life in this country. And, and when we start devaluing life, then you're in trouble. Hey, Glenn Beck, as someone who's an American living in the epicenter, The American epicenter of the COVID nineteen outbreak—that is New York fucking city. I have something to say to you, Glenn Beck. I have a message for you. I do. I have a message for you, and that message is this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not done. oh kevin just hid under the table he was very scared <laughs> but it was worth it he'll get over it he'll get you, you gotta get used to mommy making those song those sounds no 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 not with the wire motherfucker not with the wire motherfucker we don't do that that's how i talk to my dog but i say it nicely i'm like no motherfucker you can't do that no nah, motherfucker i gotta stop calling a motherfucker okay anyway that's like my message to Glenn Beck, who's this week's quarantine turd <laughs> okay uh hey netflix Hey Netflix, I, I I have a request. Hey, you mind chilling out on the promotion of your little fucking film called Pandemic? Okay, it's not cute. It's not funny. I love going to Netflix. I love watching all my like shows on Netflix. But every time I have been on Netflix the past goddamn two weeks, what what thumbnail dost I slathe my eyes upon? On first glance, this fucking thing called Pandemic. Can you not right now? Not the time. Okay are you my horny boyfriend that i'm no longer attracted to because damn i'm not in the mood for that i'm gonna push you off the bed if you keep poking me okay okay and in an an effort to maintain some semblance of balance i have an additional segment called quarantine queen of the week okay and i i wish i could make a song for it wait someone want to make a jingle quarantine queen of the week or something i don't know make it cute do a remix of what i say if you want it. email to me the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com i have friends who make music i don't want to bug them but uh yeah i would love like a little like jazzy little uh little jingle after i announce all these segments i think it'd be kind of fun why not up the production value right we got time not going anywhere anyway this week's quarantine queen is none other than fucking rihanna yo I mean, if I'm going to be anyone on this, <clears throat> on this planet and be in quarantine is definitely a very rich celebrity. But she fucking is giving the God goddamn back. OK, she's given God. She's given back. The Rihanna Foundation donated five million dollars to an array of organizations that are trying to assist with the coronavirus relief. And I'm like, God damn, you queen, you quarantine queen. Thank you. What are you doing, Kevin? So you're going to get used to that. I'll try not to yell at him, but I really need to make sure he's not doing anything bad. He's not. He's just, he's um, tearing to shreds that uh, at-home voiceover booth that I never returned from that job who fired me. Oops. (laughs) I do, I will return it one day, but mm, I gotta be in quarantine, so I can't do it now. (laughs) And I honestly, like, it's really heavy and I can't lift it if you want my honest opinion. But I'll eventually do it. Um, okay. Um, okay. Oh, very exciting announcement that I would love to make right now. Very, very exciting. Goddamn. My short film that I made last summer that I poured my heart and soul into that is one of my favorite creative experiences of my life thus far um, that I'm really proud of. And I've watched the final cut of it so many times. And to be honest, kind of so moved by my own performance, I cry every time. Like, I got to say, I got to say, I'm not trying to be cocky. I did win Best Actress my senior year of high school and I'll never forget it. I'm I'm pretty, it's pretty good. Man, Dwell is my short film that I made. It's 23 minutes long. It is my love child with uh, so many creative people that I admire in my life are in it. Corinne Fisher is in it with me. Justin Silver is in it. Wendy Starling is in it. And fucking Will Forte is in it. Uh, I'm so proud of this. And, um,, uh, I got to work with the crew, the director, Allie Oh, my God, She was, she was so amazing. And Ben and fucking Chelsea from Business Insider, um, they fucking they I, I met them through doing a project with Business Insider, and then we we worked on this film one weekend last summer, and, oh my God, the best creative experience I've ever had. So my point in all this is telling you that the film is going to be released worldwide it's gonna be on my website (laughs) to watch for free um friday uh april 10th at 8 p.m eastern standard time is the time that the film dwell will be going up live on my website that's where you watch it Uh, i'm gonna make it available for free for everyone to watch um yeah what a good i mean i mean a lot of companies be like taking advantage of of uh everyone's emotions during this time and they're like producing these ads that are like it's really hard to be alone like but like we're always together and like yeah the sentiment is true i get it but like you know capitalizing on our griefs a little that being said um i don't feel this is capitalizing because i'm not charging anybody i just really want you to see it i'm really proud of it really fucking proud of it um and, and this is a, a labor of love, this film. And so it's going to be available Friday, April 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my website. And in the coming days, I'm going to be posting on my social media uh, trailers, teasers about the film. Oh, I'm so fucking amped for you to see it. Please, if you like it, when you watch it, spread the word. Oh, and I guess I should ask this, too, um, of you. Because you got time. You got time on your hands, kids. If you are listening to this on iTunes, can you rate and review this podcast? Get well, only if you really like it. If you don't, stop fucking listening. It's a free country. Stop fucking listening if you don't like it. Um, but if you do like it, can you give me a five star rating on iTunes? And just you don't even have to comment. Just give a rating. You can comment. Um, I'll read it. Maybe I'll if you comment with something funny, I'll read it on the podcast and I'll shout you out if you want me to. Um, yeah, I'll shout you out. Fuck it. Yeah tit for tap, baby boy did i boy do i wish i went to burning man all those times that i had the chance people be bartering for services and goods that's what this is gonna turn into. oh wait kevin got a piece of wood okay hey motherfucker how about you or hey kevin how about you just say right there on this couch thank you um yeah so i'm so excited friday april 10th well oh man fucking so excited about that um hey guys you know what it's time for Let's do some fuckboy theater. Speaking of like being like an amazing actress like or whatever. So here's some good ones. I was, had an inkling that there'd be a lot of quarantine fuckboys happening right now. And boy, was I right. I was absolutely correct. And we're going to hear from a few of them. We're going to look at some bios. Okay. We'll look at some bios. Um, And we're going to hear some conversations between some fuckboys. So here, this person, uh, this girl sent me a screenshot of a guy's bio. His name is Jay. I don't give a fuck no more, okay? And the profile picture on his bio is um, a female outline of a character and a male outline in the character all doing the karma sutra positions but some of the karma sutra positions have x's over them and some of them have check marks over them and the one with check marks over them have a um have an illustration that's um clearly showing that the male face and the female face are at least 1.5 meters apart and the 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 title for the graphic is called corona sutra and i'm like you fucking that's kind of funny (laughs) So I'll just describe that visual for you. Okay, and then let's hear a fuckboy conversation, shall we? Okay, this is between a gal and a fuckboy named, named Killip. His name's Philip. His name's Philip. Oh, God. Kevin's getting in that. I just did meth phase. Okay, ready? <clears throat> this is between a lady and Philip. How about you? I'm going to go for a run soon and then nothing. Was thinking I'd bring over a bottle of wine and we hang out. See what happens. Aren't you sick? I'm not really coughing anymore. We can push you tomorrow. Yeah, 0% chance I'm risking that. LOL, tomorrow works. Try next week. Well, that works as well. And then a couple of days later, he texts her and says, Not sick anymore. Got my test Friday and it was negative. Did you actually... I thought they're not testing anyone with mild symptoms. I got it before they stopped it. Had my doctor get me one since I'd been in Vail the week before, which is now a hotspot. Mm, interesting. I don't know if I believe you, but if you're telling the truth, that's good news. Ha ha, you're so paranoid. I'd like to think I'm rational. Ha ha. That's how I imagine she's saying the haha, and then finally, oh my god, Kevin is just darting around the apartment like a fucking shark is chasing him. That's not a good analogy. He's just going fast. He gets crazy at night. Okay, the final fuck boy that we're going to be hearing from is a guy. Man, it's I'm gonna read you his entire Hinge bio. And on Hinge, you have a mixture between pictures and then prompts that you you choose which prompt you want to answer. Okay, and this guy's name is is. Clan Dr- it's Andrew Okay it's Andrew He looks like Hitler's dream Bright blue eyes Beautiful pale skin um, And and he's wearing A backwards hat And a t-shirt It looks like he's a, at a restaurant This is his first picture And he's got both of his hands Around his head Like he's just like Whipping his hair back Like oh who, me Already don't like him Already don't like him But I'm not sold that he's A fuckboy yet Uh his best travel story is one of the prompts he wanted to answer, and it is saving six lives in a near-death experience. And then I bet he's just dying for a girl to be like, wait, like what happened? He's and he'd be like, Oh, I ate a bunch of girls out when I was in in France. Oh. And then uh and then the next page of, of little Andrew's bio, of course, the next photo is him playing a goddamn guitar in a suit. Okay. Doesn't look like he actually plays guitar because I don't believe he's handling it the right way. But, you know, what the fuck do I know? And I do mean that. Um, And then another prompt he chose to answer is, together we could. And then he wrote, ghost each other. (laughs) Cool. And of course, the next photo is of him in sunglasses with a dog. That definitely is not his dog. Definitely not. He's holding that dog like he just met that dog. And that dog belongs to a stranger who's currently in the deli. And needed to tie the dog. Like, it's like he he got his phone out, put the 10 second timer on, picked up the dog really quick. Dog's not really having it in the photo. He looks kind of stoned in the photo of the dog. And and, and it's just him and the dog. I just doesn't feel like he's his dog. And then the next prompt he chooses to answer is, I'm looking for, to which Andrew writes, something tolerable. Oh, yeah. oh what, a, what a king. Yes, king. And then the next photo is him at a wedding dancing badly looking at the camera like "Uh, right d you want to dance with d's nuts like that's the kind of guy seems like he would say that and then this is why i picked this to read um the last photo ladies and gentlemen of andrew's bio is a screenshot of his fucking credit score the fuck bro you's a douchebag okay You're a douchebag with a capital D. You have good credit, 804. First of all, fuck off, okay? The whole notion of a credit score, just fuck you. As somebody who was unable to pay her student loan bills for seven goddamn years and had 1-800 numbers calling my cell phone all day and I would keep blocking them and new ones would pop up. I'm like, guys, I can't pay this. I'm trying. As someone who has been the depths of hell in student debt fuck you okay fuck you god what a douchey move it's just so douchey because it doesn't even necessarily mean you're a responsible person if you have a good credit score you know what i mean it can mean you're a responsible person it can be indicative of those things but like the notion just the way we do credit scores is fucked up in this country to begin with like just there's just fuck off okay just fuck off why don't you just show me a picture of your ball sack i'd respect you more Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, like I really like through them all. Like I really like, I feel like I like delivered on that one. Thank you. Okay. So, guys, let's, this is our first, uh, first little deep dive into a book that has truly changed my life that, um, I cannot recommend enough. Um, and that is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, this book is, it's my bible I I, like I hear people talk about religious texts in the way that I truly feel about this book no matter what mood I'm in and usually I turn to this book because usually when we turn to self-help shit it's always like when we're at a rock bottom and we're about to jump off the cliff or sit on that knife oh by the way congrats on not killing yourself um this week Uh, that's usually when I turn to self-help books and with just just the desperation to feel an inch Mildly better, you know what I mean? but this book I turn to a lot when I'm in a good mood, when I'm in a bad mood, when I'm angry, when I'm sad, when I'm confused. Hold on, Kevin's eating something. God damn it. one second, <sighs> sorry, um, this book is something that I turn to uh often, and I have the audiobook, which is narrated by a gentleman named Peter coyote, and oh God, his voice is so soothing i've I've listened to the audiobook, kid you not? I'm not exaggerating, probably. Uh, well over fifty times, I fucking love this book. Um, and I'm really excited to take a deep dive. And and regardless of what your belief system is, just for the next couple episodes about the four agreements, humor me, okay? Just humor me. Just think of as a little hour a week experiment on your part, or over probably probably gonna go over an hour, but that's okay. Them's is the rules. I can break them. Um, just just entertain the fact that this might be a great way to live. A great philosophy to live by to live by. Don Miguel Ruiz, he's a Mexican author of and this is from his website of Toltec spiritualistic and neo-shamanistic texts. I know reading it in that voice makes you sound like I'm making fun of him. I fucking love this guy. Uh, his work is best received among the members of the New Thought movement that focuses on ancient teachings as a means to achieve spiritual enlightenment. I don't really know much about the New Thought movement. Haven't looked into it. But I do know that every word i read in a book of his. I'm like, yo, yes. Some of the things in this book are beliefs that I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the true thing. And then when he worded them in the four agreements, I'm like, I was fucking right. Cause you know, your girl always, you know, I'm always like, oh yeah, no, sorry. So I'm always I, I feel like up until recently I've always apologized for what I think and I don't really stand up for myself and I'm not really um, and so when things would happen or people would act in certain ways, I'm like, I feel like that's kind of fucked up. I just got to keep it to my little cute little self, you know? Um, But now I'm like my own like grown ass woman, okay? And I'm like taking over my life. Ugh, we really got to sit with ourselves in this time of quarantine, guys. And that's going to be the hardest part for all of us. But what a good time to visit the four agreements and take a deep dive. I'm going to be taking my goddamn time going over this book i'm gonna do it section by section um and today the episode is going to focus on the section of the book titled domestication and the dream of the planet we're gonna take our goddamn times y'all going through this book because we have time time is on our side unless you're, you're ill in which case i hope you get what you need and that you're okay okay Sometimes I feel bad being like I'm like living my best life because I know that there's a lot of suffering going on. And don't get me wrong, this is not a fucking breeze for anybody. And it's not like we have to, you know, that I'm like, woo, this is great party. Like it is, it is very stressful, and it, I do miss human connection a lot. I really do. But I'm, I, I feel like I've worked out a system uh, that's been working for me. Um, it, and that has been pr- working for me and that it helps me preserve my insanity and that is not looking at my phone as much usually when I look at it I only look at it to post and and not watching the news as much you gotta be a little bit informed but then sometimes you have to be like that's enough news I'm okay so um uh, This first section, I'm just going to be reading. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be reading quotes that fucking struck a nerve with me from this section, Domestication and the Dream of the Planet. I'm going to be reading excerpts from this book. I originally took notes for this episode, and I virtually just wrote, I typed up every word he said as I was listening to the audiobook. I'm like, okay, you got to be a little more selective than that because motherfuckers can just read the book. Um, But these are the parts of this section that really spoke to me. Domestication and the dream of the planet. Um, He says, the dream of the planet includes all of society's rules, its beliefs, its laws, its religions, its different cultures and ways to be. Its government, schools, social events, and holidays. The humans who live before us teach us how to dream the way society dreams. When a new child is born, we hook the child's attention and introduce these dreams to his or her mind. So everything that you are, is and now look, it is very possible that you are one of the rare people who was encouraged to be an independent thinker and has a very healthy sense of self esteem and self love and self worth. But odds are that you're one of those people very slim, very slim, very slim. <laughs> and so, I've always kind of had this hunch that you know, people who are just hateful, that are just filled with rage, they were either hurt. Or they were taught to be hateful. They were taught to be prejudiced. They were taught whatever the fuck it is. A baby doesn't come out of the room and be like, you know what? I hate Asians. That doesn't happen. A kid isn't like, God, women are just like too much for me. They're just so, like a little boy doesn't say, like we don't, we learn to think what we think. Okay. And we're all basically full of shit. We're full of shit. And that's, I'm full of shit. You're full of shit. No offense, but your mom might be full of shit too. My mom's got some full of shitness going on. We all do. We all do because we all learn these things. And the problem with that in replicating what we learn, it's not who we are, okay? And then this next quote that I love, attention is the ability to discriminate and to focus only on that which we want to receive. The adults around us put things into our minds by way of repetition. And that's how we learn everything we motherfucking know. I added the motherfucking part. Everyone's trying to hook our attention. Man, it's exhausting. And that's why being around a kid is so refreshing. Because they haven't been tainted by society's bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Kids, for the most part, kids are so honest kids are so honest and i really love that about them even when they're fucking mean i'm like yeah but you mean what you say like a kid isn't like i'm gonna say this to like really get under their skin and then maybe they'll develop like an eating disorder later like a kid is not conniving like that you know what i mean when a kid says something it's just he or she is just saying what they feel or think i i've obviously have gone over this before in the great Jones Pop episode but acne is something i've always been very um self-conscious about has been like a physical Achilles heel for me and and I remember one time it was a it was a little bit after college I was babysitting these kids and this the little boy was like why is your face covered in zits I'm like okay asshole can we not how about you go to the bathroom and I lock the door forever but really I didn't say that I didn't say that to the kid but I was like huh yeah i do have acne on my face and okay like it's not even that big of a deal and i got hurt by it because he touched my emotional wound because i have formed the agreement that having acne means i'm a monster okay it's not true anyway um so yeah fucking kids adults kids are god we learn okay here's some more quotes we also learn to hook the attention of humans and we develop a need for attention which can become very competitive Woohoo! especially if you're me you didn't choose your religion or your moral values you never had the opportunity to choose what you believe or, or what to believe or what not to believe we didn't even choose our own name And ain't that the goddamn truth Because let me tell you I don't think I would choose K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A If it was up to me And whenever a kid yells at their parents Like I didn't choose to be born I'm like you got a point You weren't like Excuse me I would like to um, enter Earth right now Feels like a good idea No one gets that option The only way to store information So the way that us humans Store information Is by agreement the outside dream may hook our attention but if we don't agree we will not store that information. As soon as we agree we believe it. To have faith is to believe unconditionally. Yo, we can, us human beings can convince ourselves of anything. Have you watched motherfucking Tiger King? I'm cursing a lot on this episode and I don't care. Have you watched Tiger King on Netflix? The thing that everybody's talking about? That show? Those people are convinced they are doing the right thing each of them they're convinced that they didn't murder their husband they're convinced that they're not taking advantage of young women who just want to hang out with baby tigers and are poor they're convinced that they're not running a labor camp where they're paying people to work tirelessly in helping these animals and then paying them a hundred fucking dollars a week like but they what an example what a shining example tiger king of people believing their own bullshit This is all the domestication of humans and through the domestication of humans, that's how we learn to live and dream. Like we learn to, to, to be like, we learn all of the shit. We learn all this shit and it muddies us up. It muddies us up from who we actually are. During the process, this is a great quote. During the process of domestication, we form an image of perfection in an attempt to be good enough to the people around us. Ooh, that hurt. In trying to be perfect, We judge and reject ourselves, and the level of self-rejection depends upon how effective the adults were in breaking our integrity. Mm! Who wants to cry? I do. After domestication, it is no longer about being good enough for anybody else. We are not good enough for ourselves truth bomb because we don't fit our own version of perfection we cannot forgive ourselves for not being what we wish to be or rather what we believe we should be and we learn that's when we learn to judge everyone we went against the rules if we go against the rules we're punished when we uh we went to uh oh wait this is talking about like um oh this is talking about being a kid this is talking about kid stuff like when you're a little kid this is how your parents teach you when we when we went against the rules we were punished i know i was i was punished even for things i didn't do and that's what drove me to insanity for a lot of years and an adderall addiction we went along with the rules we got a reward soon we became afraid of being punished and afraid of not receiving the reward the reward is the attention we got from our parents teachers and friends and then we developed a need to hook other people's attention in order to get the reward Woo! your girl loves her a reward i want all the rewards i want good job the the hor- you want to make me horny just say good job christina wow that was great <laughs> seriously because the moment that i came in first place in the philadelphia shakespeare competition my senior year of high school i was like i will take this moment with me for the rest of my life and boy did i i remember it like it was yesterday i remember what i wore i remember every second of getting that they get because i mean it wasn't even a metaphor it was just they gave me a giant trophy half the size of my body and it said first place christine and i was just jerking off mentally Woo. and i remember i was so annoyed because the fucking, trophy this giant golden trophy the philadelphia shakespeare competition came in first place 2006 my monologue was portia from julius caesar is brutus sick yeah eat your fucking heart out glenbeck I can fucking say shit nice too. I was so annoyed because my high school was like, well, we need to keep the trophy at like the high school, like in like a showcase thing because it has like your name on it. I'm like, but I'm a senior and the year is done and I'm, I don't get to walk by the trophy going, that a girl. All, all I wanted was a pat on the back and a good job. All I want, I was starving for that as a child and as a teenager and as a 20 something and now, but not as much because I'm learning. It's like a journey. We're learning, okay? Oh god, I love rewards. Okay, back to the book. We try to please mom and dad. We try to please the teachers at school. We try to please the church. Well, not me, but a lot of people try to please the church. And so, we start acting. We pretend to be what we are not because we are afraid to be rejected. <sighs> and then on top of that, if you had a parent with a mental illness, oh, forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Forget it, forget. Kevin, fucking stop, please. Oh, hold on one second. God damn it. Okay, back to the book. Eventually, we become so well-trained that we are our own domesticator find nickel just as the government has a book of laws that rule the society's dream our belief system is the book of laws that rules our mind without question whatever is in that book of law is the truth and the part about that sentence that resonated with me was the without question part because it's so have you i mean we all i feel like we all have a family member who's just just fucking racist or sexist or homophobic or something just has some hatred towards a group of people and every time and it's like boy you i feel the thick brick walls that are a hundred feet high built around this person's belief system and i whenever i meet people like that i mean it's not just a a member of my family or, or a friend but like i meet people like that all the time internet trolls are usually that um who just won't fucking budge from what they believe and i i i feel it right away cuz like i'm an empath and you know what i am special bitch i don't feel it right away uh, or or um or i do feel rather i do feel it right away when somebody when i'm talking to somebody and they bring up politics or they bring up something like after a show or what i mean my favorite god my favorite part is like when uh, audience members like, you know, I usually don't think women are funny. A male audience, um, female audience members have said that too. But male audience members, when they say it, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not even. I don't even want to try. Like, and it, and I I come become a little defeated. Not defeated, but it's like I'm not. I don't know you, bro. I ain't gonna expend my energy trying to convince you to develop an entirely new belief system. Okay. One of my favorite qualities in a human being is when somebody is willing to be wrong. I try to remind myself the importance of the willingness to be incorrect or wrong about something because I fucking hate when people are so married to being right. It's just because you cannot get anywhere with them. How will you evolve as a person? How can we evolve as a society if it's just filled with motherfuckers who are just so married to being right that they will die for that belief oh we've we've all known him some of us have loved him some of us have married him that's not a slight to anybody but if if you have that probably stung but it's so it is very hard without it is very hard to unlearn what we believe because our beliefs are who we are oh well, that's what we tell ourselves like it's an illusion and so and that's why uh, fear fear is a fickle little bitch And that's one of the reasons Why we hold on To our beliefs so hard Because without our beliefs Who are we And that's fucking scary Okay, back to the book. Let's keep quoting, okay? Let's keep fucking quoting. There's something in our minds that judges everybody and everything. (laughs) Yep. The inner judge uses what is in our book of law to judge everything we do and don't do, everything we think and don't think, and everything we feel and don't feel. Everything lives under the tyranny of this judge. And that reminded me of a specific email that Corinne and I would get for Guys We Fucked, and we, we still continue to get, um... Just talk. Going off of judging what we feel and judging what we don't feel. Judging what we don't feel made me think of this type of email, and it's uh, it's from a rape uh, a person who has been raped, a survivor, rape survivor, and the in the usually the subject subject line reads, "I was raped, but I'm not traumatized." Is that, I feel fucked up for that, and I never uh, I never heard anybody talk about dealing with their own. Non-trauma in a way that like in a way that's like is this should this be concerning? I'm like, oh gosh, that's interesting that that somebody um, feels bad Like a lot of these women who have emailed us Feel bad about not feeling traumatized. I'm like what an odd concept, but I do understand it makes sense because as a society Depending on where you live. I mean, this is a pretty blanket rule. I feel like um when you are a a, a person who has been raped you're called a victim and it's like can we cut the shit can we cut that shit can we stop like the word victim just isn't a good word I, i don't enjoy that word um but that being said if you want to say you were a victim that is your fucking verbiage boo boo you do you you say what you want to say but it always um it always struck me when when women would email us and go hey i was raped and i don't feel like Traumatize is that fucked up and and the the amount that we've gotten that email just strikes me as well and so It just reminded me like we're always judging ourselves If we don't feel how everybody tells us we should feel if this happened we go wait, is that fucked up? And so it's just this endless loop of poop, you know Because it's like ev- okay So if we come out of this situation and it so happens that we do not feel traumatized and look I understand that it takes a long time for some people to process trauma so it could just be that you will feel it later or you never will but it's interesting to me that some people feel the need to judge that they don't feel bad about something happening to them or they don't feel upset or angry or whatever because we're always we're in our own heads man we are in our own heads (sighs) Back to the book. Every time we do something that goes against the book of law, which is our own individual book of law, we each have one, the judge says in our heads that we are guilty. We need to be punished. We should be ashamed. This happens many times a day, day after day, for all the years of our lives. Woo, bummer, man. That's a bummer, man. There's another part of us that receives the judgments, and this part is called the victim the victim carries the blame and the guilt and the shame it is part it is part of us that says poor me I'm not good enough I'm not intelligent enough I'm not attractive enough I'm not worthy of love poor me and I was reading that I'm like is this a page from my diary oh no it's like a book that someone else wrote (laughs) okay can I tell you a little moment with Kevin that really oh boy goes along with the sentiment so I um, I would say the third night we had together—it was either the second or third night. It was a really rough one. It was—it was a rough one. It's the only rough one we've had so far. But I'm sure that they will—they will come. But it—it it was rough in that he got so hyper and was starting to. Um, it, it felt as if he was starting to like go against me on purpose to piss me off. <laughs> it's just, just not. And somebody did write me to say that Doxens uh, are a breed of dog that revenge shits, and I'm like, oh, great, cool. I left Kevin in the crate to go to Trader Joe's a couple days ago and then he shit all over himself. But I'm like that that I'm like I registered that as like, oh, OK, you're, you're you're anxious. You're a new puppy. Like you don't know where you are. It's scary. It's OK. Um, You know, it's not it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's not doing this to piss me off. But one of the, the third second or third night I had with him, I was like, oh, let's try and sleep in my bed. Maybe he could sleep in my bed with me. And I know the things about the crate. Don't fucking write me and be like, I know. I know. I don't care. Shut the fuck. Up. I don't care. Um, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and then I will suffer the consequences or reap the rewards. Um, and so he, I had him in my bed downstairs and that was the only night that we slept in my bed because he pissed in the bed, which again, not his fault. He didn't know what he was doing. And I, and I wasn't used to like, you have to walk the, you have to carry the puppy over to a pee pad every 20 minutes just to be safe. And this was before I got like a reward system. So when he pees or shits on the pad, I'll give him a treat. And when he does it anywhere else, I don't get mad at him. I just, I just ignore it. Like I clean it up and then I ignore it. Um, but this one particular night he was really getting on my nerves. It was like three in the morning. He pissed in the bed, and then i I took all the comforters and the pillows off and I put it on the floor at the foot of my bed and then I and I was like, "What's that smell?" And then I realized he shit all over the floor at the foot of my bed that I just dumped my fucking comforters and pillows into. Him. I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I got mad and I yelled. And I took him upstairs and I put him in his cage and I and I yelled. And he looked visibly scared. And I felt fucking terrible for doing that. And then and then Kevin goes mm, like he he has this like little cute little wince and then he licks my hand and like lays on my lap. And I oh, I'm going to cry talking about it. I felt so bad and i burst into tears and i screamed i don't think i deserve unconditional love and i cried for 20 minutes with kevin in my arms and i'm like wow and i and i still believe that i understand that sometimes i can like pull all these like maybe i do this because of this and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're not but let me tell you something i i learned something about myself and look, if a, psych- if a therapist was like, hey, I don't think you think you deserve unconditional love, I wouldn't be like, what? But I- I'd never had it made to me so clearly in that moment because he he loved me back even though I just yelled at him and scared him. And he just calmly sat on my lap and licked my hand and I'm like, oh, I don't deserve this. Woo. And I cried. and He was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, just relax. But oh and it, it really made me understand that I don't believe I deserve to be loved unconditionally and and I know the roots of that I know exactly the roots of that and I am I accept the roots of that they are what they are and everyone has did the best job that they could but but man I was so I felt so shameful and guilty and then I'm like you know what Christina fucking let it go okay Look, you learned something new about yourself. It's probably true. You don't think you deserve unconditional love, okay? But you know what? You do. So let's move forward. Stop feeling bad for yourself. Stop crying. Hug your dog. Sleep with Kevin on the couch because it's made of leather, and he can poop on it, and pee on it, and I can wipe it off. He has since stopped doing that, which is very exciting. But yeah, that just—ugh! What a tender moment with my new son, Kevin. But I, that's one of the things that I've told myself. I'm not worthy of unconditional love because I was, I was a kid when I was dealing with a parent with bipolar and it, and it was really confusing and no one explained it to me. And, and if you're a kid who's, uh, who has a parent with a mental illness, you probably know what I'm talking about. And so you make these agreements. And so they're so deep in your fucking mind and you realize, oh my God, all this behavior all my, a lot of my past behavior can be pinpointed to the me acting out of the fact that i don't think i deserve unconditional love but you know what bitch i do and so do you and so do you too okay even andrew deserves unconditional love who posted his credit score on his he, do, he does but he doesn't think he does so he thinks he needs to do a little song and dance show for you here's my credit score maybe you'll look over my bad personality and fuck me but let's all be honest with ourselves, okay? When we realize something that we're like, oh, wait, I'm ashamed of this because I made an agreement long-ass ago. Cool, that's really great to realize it. Move on, okay? Move on with that new knowledge. How exciting is that new knowledge, okay? All right, back to the book. Back to the book. We're moving, we're grooving. Whatever goes against the book of law will make you feel a funny sensation in your solar plexus, and it's called fear. Fear. So in other words, when you do something that goes against the rules that you've convinced yourself are true, you, you feel fear. Breaking the rules in the book of law opens up your emotional wounds and your reaction is to create emotional poison because even if the book of law is wrong, and spoiler alert, it most likely is, <laughs> it makes you feel safe. Whoa, let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Breaking the rules in the book of law opens your emotional wounds and your reaction is to create emotional poison because even if the book of law is wrong, it makes you feel safe. And that's what I'm talking about with these people. It, this book has really made me understand people who... Um, who god just terrible people who believe really mean bad terrible things okay uh believing homosexuality is a sin or believing that if you were a person in the in the 80s and 90s who held up a sign that said AIDS cures gays if you're that if you have that much like hatred in you it's based in fear and your fucking dad probably taught it to you because he learned it from his dad who learned it from the bible whatever the fuck that's why i fucking hate religions who discriminate against somebody based on for example their sexual preference will you fuck off with that shit i i am so lucky hashtag bless somebody say to have grown up in an environment where i i I, as 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 negative as like as much of a deep dive as i take into my own personal childhood and the the things that were bad and good about it i feel i feel very lucky i wouldn't take a second back that i've lived on this planet so far including the circumstances in which i was born into my parents fucking love those motherfuckers ed and nancy top-notch human beings okay we're all doing the best we can but i i i didn't grow up with any religion I, and I'm one of the few people I know that truly had no religion in my life and what an amazing experience that has been because I had friends as a kid who did have religion in their lives, who did go to church and my mom would let me go to church with them and I got to learn about various religions. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, but I learned about it from a perspective of hey, some people choose to practice religion and some people don't. We don't. It's not that we're anti-God. My mom just had other fish to fry at the time and it was her mental hell, okay? So we were doing that and then I would get to go to church with my friends and then I grew up uh, for the first 10 years of my life in Virginia, a lot of Southern people that were very religious very christian and they would say things like we can't i couldn't use god's name in vain in certain people's houses and i'm like wait oh okay i'd be like oh god and i mean obviously i learned to say the word god because people around me were saying it and then my friend's parents would be like do not use the lord's name in vain in our house they would say that to me and i would get so scared because your girl loves her some approval especially from adult especially when i was a child Woo! didn't get all the smiles i needed as a child so i tried to get it in everybody else okay and so i remember whenever a friend's parents would yell at me for something not yell like screaming at me but like um reprimand me i would feel so shitty and i remember my one friend his mom would say don't say god's name in this house and i'm like oh okay okay oh fuck but i'm like what the fuck who gives a shit i wasn't thinking those exact words but along those lines but it's so interesting to me, to as somebody who's not religious, to see, oh, and with guys we fucked, the the bullshit that people have to go through in their adult lives because of the religion that was pushed on them as a child. Oh, I feel so bad. That sucks. Dude, that sucks. I mean, the good news is you can break free from it. But it's, it's a long process. Well, it doesn't have to be long. But for a regular person, I feel like if you're not very spiritual you don't consider you're like you're not open to things yet that's okay but that's so you got a long road ahead of you it's possible but like man the amount of fear-mongering in certain religions oh my god it's so shocking to me and so uh yeah okay anyway um oh god and this reminded me too this reminded me of this other quote so again this, I'm going to say it a third time Because it bears repeating Breaking the, the rules In your own book of law Opens up your emotional wounds And your reaction Is to create emotional poison uh, Because even if The book of law is wrong It makes you feel safe And that made me um, Speaking of like not being able to penetrate somebody, like not being able to get under their skin. So emotional poison is basically uh, talking shit about people. And, like, and I do it all the time. It's part of comedy. <laughs> so, you know, and but I try. I know when I am about to tweet something that's a critique of somebody or uh, I say something on the podcast, if I feel kind of gross about it afterwards, I'm like, that was coming from a, a place of like, uh, of shitty feelings. Like I, I, I'm not, I want to try to be better next time. Um but emotional poison is basically like gossiping is emotional poison. And and I I do enjoy a good gossip sesh uh, from time to time. I don't like things like reality TV because it just ugh, it feels like ugh, gross. But it, hey, if you like it, that's you, but you do your thing. But, you know, there's times where I'll like talk smack on somebody but it'll be very poignant and witty and well articulated I'm like yeah and it feels good to say it because it's it's not like they're a piece of shit and they should just shut the fuck up it's more no it's a more intelligent um, attack if you will but this Dolly Parton quote that I fucking love that speaks to if I, my thin, my skin is thick and I believe in myself and I have a lot of self-love, motherfucker, you can't hurt me. And that's what I aspire to be. But this one Dolly Parton quote that I've loved since the day I read it is, I'm not offended by all the dumb blonde jokes because I know I'm not dumb. And I also know I'm not blonde. I'm like, woo, love you, Dolly Parton. Back to the quotes. Anything that challenges what you believe is going to make you feel unsafe. And that is why we have a great deal. It takes a great deal of courage to challenge our own beliefs it's not easy guys to challenge your own beliefs even if you are consider yourself a very open person you're open to being wrong it still fucking sucks to challenge it feels it feels scary to challenge your own beliefs because these are the principles that you've convinced yourself are true and then you're like wait this wasn't fucking true who am i who am i is a great question That's one i've been trying to answer for the past 32 goddamn years. But it's a journey, it's a journey. (laughs) True justice, oh, this is a great quote too. (laughs) True justice is paying only once for each mistake. True injustice is paying more than once for each mistake. How many times do we pay for one mistake? Yo, I punished myself over and over. And I forget that I have the freedom to go. Guys, life's a, life's a movie, okay? I forget that I have the freedom to go. And that's a wrap on the self-destruction because you feel bad about the thing you did. we can move on. That's a wrap, everybody. We can go home. We're done with that scene. And release myself from the guilt. I feel like these sentiments also may remind me of, of BDSM. <laughs> I feel like that's why BDSM is such a popular thing the king community and I look I love me some rough sex I'm not one of those people that's like hey can you like hang me by my skin through meat hooks on the ceiling and like over just like an orgy of people like I don't like a lot of pain but you know make me crawl on the floor motherfucker hit me a little bit but do it with you know I have to love and trust you in order for that to happen and you know in this day and age Sometimes guys are like I I won't even look at you weird during sex I'm like can we Look If I'm having sex with you That means I I There's a certain level of trust And respect I have for you Okay So can we not do that But you know Some people aren't comfortable with it But it does remind me of the kink community Because I feel like we're kind of BDSM type of activities And rougher sex I kind of have it I feel I I have a hunch that it stems from like t- us taking pleasure. I actually think it's a very healthy way to act out um, the shame that you felt early on in childhood. I really do. And if you're not a BDSM kind of person, g- carry on. It doesn't matter. Whatever you are, you are. But I feel like there is a connection between BDSM and and the peril of our own mental hell that we that has been drilled into us, these agreements that have been drilled into us by society, by our parents, by our pastor, by whoever the fuck. There's the, like it's it's like BDSM is this ultimate taking control back from all of that. That's how I see it. You wanna slap me, choke me a little bit? Give me your number. <laughs> Don't give me your number, please, for the love of God. And and also just oh God, I want to throw this out there. If if you DM me on Instagram and you just keep DMing me and DMing me and I'm not respond it's not like I'm and I read it, but I don't respond, like, some people, I've got a couple people in my DMs right now, they're men that are, just love notes, and, uh, yeah, I, it's nice, but can you not, can you just stop, I don't know how to say that to you, I'm just gonna say it on a podcast, you know, real passive-aggressive, like, (laughs) just makes it feel so uncomfortable, anyway, but one of, oh, this is the other thing. Speaking of guilt, oh my God, BDSM, I'm like, ooh, naughty, this is a bad part of it. But uh, this being in quarantine has made me realize how much I make myself feel guilty for not being productive. That's my, one of the main ways in which I make myself feel guilty. And the reason I've realized, I kind of are always known that I'm hard on myself and I've always known that I'm a perfectionist and all this stuff, but I would, I would, boast these traits as if uh, they were something worth bragging about when in reality it's what keeps me down in the swamp my own mental hell and being in this quarantine period with this virus happening and the one of the biggest cities on the planet being shut down not the the the, the entertainment industry we're doing some things we're working on some projects but we're kind of you know scrounging for stuff to do a little bit but like Nothing is due right now. There's no I don't have any meetings. You know what I mean? I don't have anything. So I've found that I cannot there's it's just not possible for me to get down on myself like I normally would for the past 32 goddamn years for not doing enough because ain't shit open. Christina, okay? And I'm like and I remember sitting in my apartment. This is before I got Kevin. And I'm like, "Wow. I'm like in a really good mood because I'm not beating myself up because I, there's nothing to. Do. I don't, huh? And it made me realize I love. It's like BDSM, but I don't get to come. Ugh, just beat myself up because I feel like that. I, I've, uh, I've told myself that that's what we do. I've agreed. I made the agreement that if you're not productive, you're a piece of shit. And that's one of the agreements I've made with myself. And that is very. It took. A uh, 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 world pandemic to make me realize you should probably be a little kinder to yourself. Unlike the getting shit done, okay? This is the first time in my life, truly, where I have no choice but to release myself from the guilt, from this type of guilt, because literally the entire planet is in a timeout. Okay, back to the book, back to quotes. The human is the only animal on earth that pays a thousand times for each mistake. We have a powerful memory, unfortunately. We make a mistake, we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty, and we punish ourselves. If justice exists, then that was enough, and we don't need to do it again. He probably didn't mean it in that tone. And that that reminds me of a solid piece of advice that uh, a friend of mine and a stand-up comedian, his name is Dan Soder, Um. Love that guy. He fucking told me, that we've had so many amazing heart-to-hearts, him and I, uh, over over the year or two, that we've known each other, we've been like friends. And uh, one of the things he said to me is like, because he was kind of sensing that I was beating myself up for stuff, and he's like, everything that has happened in your past, that's in your wake. And when he says wake, he means like, if you've ever been in a boat, the wake is the wave pattern created by a boat at the back of the boat so if you if you're on if you've ever been on a boat like it's a, a smaller boat like a speed boat or a rowboat whatever not a rowboat but and if you're sitting in the back and you look at the patterns that are created by the boat going through the water that's the wake and he said that he's like everything that happened in your past is in your wake look forward and i'm like shit
0: dan soda that's good
1: advice <sighs> back to the book but every time we remember one of our mistakes we judge ourselves again we are guilty again and we punish ourselves again and again and again man and then now think of a person let's do a little activity for like a second think of a person you've met in your life who's truly miserable i'm willing to bet that that person is miserable because they've created the judge inside of their head is in is is non-stop punish, they're punishing themselves non-stop And it's probably because their parents have punished them nonstop, And this is the way that we've learned. We learn to abuse ourselves. I feel like if our parents have abused us in some way, and it doesn't matter how terrible of a person your parent was, truly. They did the best they could. And sometimes their best is shit. It's very shit. But like oprah says when you know better you do better that's a great that's a great piece of that's a great assembly of words oprah when you know better you do better even if you're doing bad on purpose to say fuck you to somebody that's what you know that's the best you can do motherfucker that's the best you can do at this moment it's the best you can do our best varies from day to day we'll get into that later in one of the other agreements If we have a wife or husband, he or she also reminds us of the mistake so we can judge ourselves again, punish ourselves again, and find ourselves guilty again. Is this fair? Hell no, it's not fair, Don Miguel Ruiz. How many times do we make our spouse, our children, or our parents pay for the same mistake? Every time we remember the mistake, we blame them again and send them all the emotional poison we feel at the injustice. And so that part of the book, when I first read it, it made me ask myself, huh, do I punish my mother for the mistakes, mistakes in quotes? She did her best. Do I punish her for, for the quote mistakes she's made? To which I replied to myself, no, no, I don't Christina. But you know what I do do? I do make the men I love pay for my mother's mistakes. To which then I replied, oh shit, that's mad true. And so it goes. Yep. That's a heavy one that I, I realized. I don't make my mom pay for the mistakes, but I make <laughs> the men I've loved for years pay for them. That's not as heavy as as I feel like it's coming off, um, but that I was like, yeah, I feel like that's how I that's how I act out um, all my fears, and I and I pu- I push things on people like I'm like I basically this is not what I say you know like in the long term relationships I've been in. I don't say this exactly, but I, through my actions, I say this like, you know what? I'm going to be mad at you for like a really long time for something you didn't do. <laughs> Isn't this fun? And they're like, no, I don't think it's really fun. I'm like, shut up. It's fun. And so uh, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. <sighs> trying to be better. And the, the whole concept of emotional poison, which we'll, we'll get into with the first agreement, which is going to be the next episode. It, it makes me rethink the way that I talk about Donald Trump. Because my truest self, and I mean this with all my heart, when I, when I say it out loud, when I echo this thought, it feels good, it feels right, it feels true. I want Donald Trump to be an amazing president. My truest self is fucking rooting for that guy to be great. You know, there aren't a lot of moments so far where I've thought, wow, you're doing great, Donald Trump. However, I personally sent a lot of emotional poison in his direction and a lot of us do you know my father oh god one of the most noble i just fucking love my dad so much he's such a good person and one of the things like he has some of these like um like his own rules like he does not talk badly about the president of the United States he was drafted into the Navy at 18 years old and to which he retired um cheap uh, he was an E8 in the Navy that's a really high ranking and he earned that and he has a lot of honor and a lot of integrity and he's always like he would never you know he, he like when Obama was president he's a he, my dad is a Republican he was like ugh, but he would never talk disrespectfully no matter how much he hated any politician who was elected in office where he never talked about them with disrespect because that was one of the the obviously they fucking drilled that into him in the navy i'm sure but like i don't know i always admired that about him and it made me to the point where whenever i would say something really shitty about like just something nasty and and even if i truly believe with all of my heart that he is terrible for this fucking country. Whenever I would go to like tweet something about him, I'm like, this fucking piece of shit. And I would, t- and it would just, before I would press tweet, I'll go, eh. That kind of feels gross to say. Regardless of how disrespectful I believe this man to be, is the solution to act like an internet troll towards him? Is that gonna fucking help the situation, Christina? No, it's not. And I feel like he's such an easy target for a lot of people to throw their emotional poison at and politics in general, and and a lot of religions, anything that gets people heated, emotional poison just gets tossed in the air. We're all guilty of doing it. Um, and I saw a clip the other night. I was watching CNN because I have like a little window where I where I watch the news, and I I was watching CNN. And they said they, they they fucking Showed a clip Of Donald Trump Saying stuff And I and I took to Twitter With my angry little thumbs And I wanted to tweet Something nasty To alleviate the anger And frustration That I felt towards him And then I took a second To think Which is a new thing for me <laughs> It's like a new thing I'm trying to do I took a second to think And I thought What good would come out of this I, I would have I, I would have some people Supporting Whatever the fuck I just said And be like Yeah fuck him Or whatever and then I would have some people vehemently opposing what I said and tweeting at me like bleh, 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 you, "you stupid whore." Like, what, what good would that do? So I decided to tweet something that 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 uh, I, that Don Miguel Ruiz might consider this emotional poison, but it didn't feel bad to tweet. I wanted to be like, I wanted to turn my anger into something silly and lighter, like lighthearted. So I tweeted, and I'm, I stand by what I said. I tweeted. Uh, this is what I tweeted. Trump stares into the sun during an eclipse stuffs his face with fast food shakes hands with people infected with COVID-19 and is still in good health I bet if you pushed him off a cliff his ball sack would form an accidental parachute and his farts would gently float him into safety that was my tweet because I was like you know what I don't want to this feels better this doesn't feel like emotional poison maybe some could consider that it is but I, it didn't feel bad for me so that's an example of like you know how we can like a ball improve. Uh, more quotes, more quotes, guys. I got some more. The judge in the mind is wrong because the belief system, the book of law, is wrong. Ooh, that hurt. the The whole dream is based on false law. Meaning your whole dream is based on false law. Ninety five percent of the beliefs that we have stored in our mind are nothing but lies. Ooh, that hurt. Someone get me a plate because I just got served a Golden Corral buffet of truth. Shout out to all my Southern people who still ate at Golden Corral. Well, you can't right now. I hope you're not. I hope fucking Golden Corrals aren't open. That's a buffet. Guys, remember when we could go outside and go to buffets? That was fun. If we look at human society, we see a place so difficult to live in because it is ruled by fear. Throughout the world, we see human suffering, anger, addictions, revenge, violence in the street and tremendous injustice Ooh, who's horny if we compare the dream of human society this is the this is one of my favorite quotes oh god if we compare the dream of human society with the description of hell that religions all around the world have promulgated that's not whatever just fuck off we find Okay, let me redo that. If we compare the dream of human society with the description of hell that religions all around the world have encouraged, we find that they are exactly the same. Oh, shit, bitch religions say that hell is a place of punishment a place of fear pain and suffering a place where the fire burns you fire is generated by emotions that come from fear whenever we feel the emotions of anger jealousy envy or hate we experience a fire burning within us we are living in a dream of hell Woo! Yup. some people made a career off of that fire and then I wanted to look up other like religions. I, I looked up hell in, in Wikipedia because that's like as far. I just went like first thing that pops up in Google. Uh, and in the Wikipedia page for hell, it says in many religion, uh, religious cultures, including Christianity and Islam, hell is often depicted as a fiery, painful and harsh, inf- harsh place inf- inflicting suffering on the guilty. Despite these common depictions of hell as a place of fire. Some other traditions portray hell as cold Buddhists and particularly Tibetan Buddhists description of hell feature an equal number of hot and cold hells among christian descriptions dante's inferno portrays the innermost circle of hell as a frozen lake of blood and guilt yo we live in hell y'all but we have the ability to create a beautiful dream for ourselves so that we're in a bubble of heaven okay if you consider hell as a state of mind then hell is all around us this is back to the book obviously whenever I read like I'm like reading a text I'm quoting the book if you consider hell as a state of mind then hell is all around us others may warn us that if we don't do what they say we should do we will go to hell bad news we're already in hell no human can condemn another human to hell because we're already there oh shit give me a bib I'm gonna eat that plate of truth that I just got served Goddamn. and my favorite part if you have the audiobook. The narrator, Peter Coyote, when he reads the sentence, (laughs) when he reads the sentence, bad news, we're already in hell. He laughs. He's like, bad news, we're already in hell. Like the way he says it is so perfect. It makes me so happy. Others can put us into a deeper hell. True. But only if we allow this to happen. And boy, do a lot of people love allowing that. I'm one of them. Guys, doubt? Doubt is a seed. Okay? I'm obviously not quoting him anymore this is me doubt is a seed this is not an original concept this is a concept that's been echoed, echoed throughout centuries doubt is a seed okay just humor me the wheel. doubt is a seed and if someone can implant doubt into us and if we then water and fertilize that goddamn seed it's gonna grow into a big old pile of stinky shit that we smell until we throw the poop in the trash See, this is why I don't write books. That being said, I am working on a book. Uh, Fucking, so if somebody, like if somebody goes up to me, and so if you, if I, okay, here's, uh, what's something that I'm not, if someone came up to me, this is just my personal shit. If someone came up to me and be like, wow, you've gained weight. I'd be like, bitch, no, I didn't. Like, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I would say that. But I, my body, my figure is one thing that I've always been like, yep, smoking hot, Christina, good for you. And I haven't even had to work that hard for it, to be honest. I fucking ate wa- four waffles last night. I mean, I can't go ha- crazy. But one of the things that I've been hashtag blessed with, and that's only, Considered hashtag blessed in certain societies. Other cultures might think I'm a fat or skinny piece of shit. It doesn't matter. My point is, I feel very good about my body. And if someone came up to me, like a stranger or somebody I knew, and was like, oh, "Your body's kind of looking..." I would. It wouldn't even fucking. I wouldn't even blink. I'd be like, "Oh, it's that's your problem." Because <laughs> I don't believe that at all. You can't hurt me with that. You can hurt me with a lot of other stuff, but you can't hurt me by commenting on my body. That, that And that's because I, I, I'm okay with my body I'm more than okay with my body I feel very confident in my body I like it a lot I like it a lot And I, and I, I enjoy the way in which I, um, I wear clothes Like I'm not Like I have my own levels of comfort With showing cleavage for example I don't really like show I'm not really comfortable with that But that's my own personal thing I would rather If you're gonna see my tits It's cause you're fucking me Okay <laughs> sounded like a threat <laughs> I don't mean it as that but what I'm saying is like I, that's how I want to that's how I want to show my body to whoever it gets shown to is if I'm having sex with you that's that's my personal thing if you want to fucking show your body because you're a badass stripper I will go to that strip club and go goddamn and slide off my chair and tip you money We're, we all have our own comfort levels but if you're truly cool with yourself then somebody can't come up to you and be like mmm cool shirt i guess and you'd be like wait what stop being a slave to what everyone else thinks of you that was more to myself anyway the, 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 we can control people with doubt and fear religions control people with doubt and fear and this is another thing that's interesting uh, about my life personally strangers dm me on instagram all the time and i read a lot of these messages and oftentimes i'll sit on my couch and i'll go to open my other inbox and that's like the the inbox where people i don't know have messaged me and um and, and I, sometimes i'll go into it with the attitude of like let's see if i can be strong while reading these like it's on a truly a litmus test of how i feel about myself because i don't like how easy it is for others to get under my skin that's something that i personally want to work on so i'm on this fucking journey called life and i'm work i'm working on thickening my skin in, in various areas so that other people can't penetrate it I mean, when when a person is being so outrageously rude to me, I think it's hilarious because, and the reason I think it's so funny is because like, oh, motherfucker, I see right through what you're doing. And I don't I don't even feel bad for, I just don't care. Like, you just don't affect me. Like some people, one of the classic tweets I used to get back, like whenever Corinne and I would do this podcast, Legion of Skanks, love those dudes love that love the uh, skanks fans but sometimes i'll go on certain podcasts and they'll have like a little tiny little nook of fans that are pieces of trash Uh, a lot of podcasts like certain podcasts i i know that if i go on that i'm gonna get you know some dude like if i go on a uh, fucking jim and sam show i know i love those guys too and most of their fans amazing people but i know from experience that if I go on that show I'm gonna get a tweet that says you should be raped you dumb whore true like they're not always that bad but my point is those just make me laugh because I'm like oh you that's not even tactful try to hurt me harder motherfucker you're being lazy and trying to insult me and for that I'm insulted like cut deep baby (laughs) no I don't want you to please I'm very sensitive You know but when a person's being so like over the top i'm like it's it's too easy i automatically see through what you're doing you're projecting your pain onto me and i don't accept your pain take care now bye bye then but sometimes a person is more of a wordsmith and those are usually women (laughs) women are much more cutting with their words women hurt my feelings so much more than men hurt my feelings if a guy dms me and is like stupid fucking you're just a hole I think, LOL, but if a woman DMs me, I'm like, you think yourself so fucking special, huh? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm working on that. But it, it, it makes me go, wait, huh? <laughs> back to the quotes, back to the quotes. It is possible to enjoy a pleasant dream. Pff, great news. All of humanity is searching for truth, justice, and beauty. We are on an eternal search for the truth because we only believe the lies that we've stored in our mind. Ooh! Oh, that hurt we keep searching and searching when everything is already within us you know all those movies all those disney well Disney movie, bad example but there's like the sword and the stone or the movies that it's like you've had the answers all along fucking star wars i totally like the philosophy behind star wars is du- like i fucking nerd how star wars baby boys i get it the truth is inside you we don't see the truth because we're blind and what blinds us is all those false beliefs we have in our mind. We have the need to be right and to make others wrong. And let me tell you, guilty as charged. Sometimes I relish in being right so hard. And as I'm basking in the warm sun of my own ego, deep down there's a voice in me that's like, you sure you should be celebrating this right now? I feel like maybe you shouldn't. That's right. That's right. And then he goes on to say, our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive and to express what we really are. Whew! And that's why I love doing stand-up comedy because an audience, sometimes, if I'm performing in front of like just people who listen to Guys We Fucked and who, are like a, who know my life story, that's a very unique situation. But usually, a stand-up comedian is going to go on stage and the audience is going to know their childhood trauma and all their sexual experiences you know what i'm saying so you, you have to earn and, and people have a bullshit detector everybody has a bullshit detector and when if you're a stand-up comic and you go on in front of an audience who's never heard of you and you're full of shit they're gonna not laugh that, and, and so that's why i love it when i'm at my personal best as a stand-up comedian it is always when i'm on stage being the truest version of myself and when i'm dancing in that I can be true to myself on stage and it feels good. But when I'm dancing, when I'm relishing in who I am and it feels true to me and I'm just dancing the joy of being me on stage in front of a group of strangers, that is one of the most freeing feelings I personally have ever felt. And it's a huge reason why I personally love doing stand-up comedy because I'm I'm being loved for who I am. And it's it's nice. It's nice. And that's why having a podcast that people listen to, That's I mean, I'm not... If I'm putting on masks, I'm not knowing it because I'm really trying hard not to put on masks. (laughs) We all are. We're trying. We're so often afraid that someone will notice we are not what we pretend to be. We judge others according to our image of perfection and naturally they fall short of our expectations. Take notice, guys. The next time you judge another person, just take notice. You might notice that you're projecting your own fears onto everybody else and you might notice that we project onto other people, what we project on other people is virtually a blueprint for how exactly we reject ourselves. I mean, we dishonor ourselves just to please others you see teenagers taking drugs to avoid being rejected by other teenagers and boy that's why i drank in high school i was like please i was so starving for the love of my peers but i was equally starving for the love of my mother so i didn't smoke cigarettes or weed in high school at all the first time i ever smoked weed was the day i graduated high school and i would always brag to my mother that i haven't i'd be like oh god i would always brag to her about how I've never smoked a cigarette, never smoked weed. I would say this to her so much, and every time she'd be like, "Honey, that's a ama- I'm so proud of you." And I'd be like, "Yeah, Mom." like, all my other friends they like smoke pot, and, like smoke cigarettes, but like not me. I haven't, and I didn't. I didn't smoke pot. I didn't smoke cigarettes. But I, the only reason I didn't do that was so in my head, so my mother would love me. And then a couple years later, I was like, "Wait, weed's kind of cool." And then a couple years after that, I'm like, "I can tell my mom I smoked weed," and I did. I told my mom I smoked weed. I'll never forget. It. I was in the 96th Street Six train stop we were i was taking her to penn station she was visiting me and i was taking her penn station and i was like i feel like i could tell my mom i smoke weed i remember i'll never forget this conversation we're standing on the platform six train platform ninety sixth street going downtown to penn and i was like yeah you know i, I smoke weed every once in a while mom because i did, truly at the time it was every once in a while <laughs> now it's more than that and i'm fine with it but i was like yeah i smoke weed and she looked at me she gave me the same fucking look that she gave me when I was 16 in that restaurant When she asked me if I was a virgin And she left the restaurant She gave me that same And I'm like oh come on man I'm like 23 But it reminded me of how I would just I would just brag to my mother About how I'd never smoked a cigarette and never smoked weed So much so that I was like I'm never gonna do I told her I was like I'm never gonna do that mom When in reality When I eventually told her I did it I, 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 I wish I had the wherewithal to be like Hey mom you know people change adult like people change what they want to do with their life they change what is acceptable for them they change their own comfort level with substances and i'm completely comfortable with the way in which i consume i i could have said all that but i didn't because i didn't have the words but man i used to brag about that Okay, let's let's do a couple more quotes and then we're done. Humans punish themselves endlessly for not being what they believe they should be. They become very self-abusive and they use other people to abuse themselves as well. Oh, that cut. But nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. And it is the judge, the victim and the belief system that make us do this. If we make a mistake in front of people, we try to deny that mistake and cover it up. But as soon as we're alone, the judge becomes so strong, the guilt is so strong, we feel stupid or bad or unworthy in your whole life nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself god damn the limit of oh here we go the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else if someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself you'll probably walk away from that person but if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself you'll stay in the relationship and you'll tolerate it. If you abuse yourself very badly, you can even tolerate someone who beats you up, humiliates you, and treats you like dirt. Why? Because in your belief system, you say, I deserve it. This person is doing me a favor by being with me. I'm not worthy of love and respect. I'm not good enough. Woo! But girl, you is good enough. And boy, you is good enough. And they's and them's, yo, you's good enough too. The more self-love we have, the less we will experience self-abuse. Self-abuse comes from self-rejection. And self-rejection comes from having an image of what it means to be perfect and never measuring up to that ideal. Oh, that hurt. The most important agreements are the ones you've made with yourself. So all along your little life, you've made these varying agreements with yourself. A lot of it's unconscious because we're not three years old and we're like, you know what? I feel like my mother was projecting on me and maybe I shouldn't take it personally. No, we don't fucking say that. We're like, okay, mom knows best. In these agreements that you've made with yourself, you tell yourself who you are, what you feel, what you believe and how to behave. The result is what you call your personality. And when I read that part, I was like, I fucking knew it, dude. I fucking knew that you make up your own. I always had this philosophy. I'm like, you make up your own personality. And that's exactly what I did. I was getting mad bullied in middle school. And then when I moved to Pennsylvania to another middle school, I was like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to rework my personality and just make up a new one. I want a I I personality because uh, the one I have has not been cutting it so far. So I need to devise a plan. Someone's yelling outside. I need to devise a plan to, to be likable. I want to be more likable because your girl's mad resourceful even as a a child even as a child i want to be likable so i'm like i gotta what what kind of personality do i like and i truly just sat in a room and i was like this is the kind of person i want to be this is the kind of qualities i want to embody cool let's keep this in your mind and change are. i fucking went to seventh grade straight a's i went from fucking failing half my classes in the in the sixth grade sixth grade was one of the worst years of my life Cause I would do oh god I was so depressed my parents were it was just terrible and I was getting really bullied at school and and then seventh grade I'm like I'm gonna have a new me and I did and it worked and I was adored and I got the parts in the play well, I actually didn't get a part in the play when I tried out in seventh grade but then I was like I will never feel this sense of rejection again by ninth grade I'm gonna get the goddamn damn lead and you know what I did was it driven by the desperation to be loved yeah but whatever okay we learn that later in life. More quotes, more quotes. We have a lot of agreements that make us suffer. If you want to live a life full of joy and fulfillment, you have to find the courage to break those agreements that are fear-based and claim your personal power. The agreements that come from fear require us to expend a lot of energy, but the agreements that come from love help us to conserve energy and even gain extra energy. So we don't gotta pop an Adderall and yell at the walls. Each of us is born with a certain amount of personal power that we rebuild every day after we rest. We have just enough power to survive each each day because most of it is used to keep the agreements that trap us in the dream of the planet. How can we change the entire dream of our life when we have no power to change even the smallest agreement? (laughs) Good question. If we can see that our agreements rule our life and that we don't like the dream of our life, we need to change our agreements. And when we're finally ready to change our agreements, there are four very powerful agreements that will help us to break the agreements that come from fear and deplete our energy. And guys, next week, we will be diving into the first agreement, which is be impeccable with your word. I hope you dig this. I'm very excited. I'm so excited to share my love of this book with you. Thanks for listening, guys. Rate and review on iTunes. You got time on your hands. Do it for me, okay? Um, Thanks for listening. And thanks for all the feedback, good and bad. And thanks for being here. And thanks for not killing yourselves. Seriously, we got this. This is a weird time. This is a very unique time that we are in. But we're going to figure it out. We'll, We'll all help each other. We'll all do the, we're, we do the best you can, okay? Make sure your best is, 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 is at a level that you are happy about, okay? Oh, I'm so excited to dig more into this fucking book. It's amazing. Next week, be impeccable with your word. We're gonna get into it. I'll talk to you next Wednesday,
0: guys. Shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. Finally